but I did not like myself. And it was a, it was a, a very, very strong dislike for myself. I felt like I was, um, there was just something broken or wrong with me inside. And that if anybody knew, I think that's part of the reason why I tried really, really hard to, to please God and to be working for his kingdom, because I was trying to overcompensate for this void inside of me that I couldn't understand. Do you need a spiritual spark? Are you feeling run down or run over? Are you ready to eliminate the spiritual ups and downs? This is Fresh Faith in Real Life. Let's restore life in your walk with Christ. We'll dive into our featured guest interviews, biblical devotional thoughts, answers to your questions, and more. Your walk with Christ isn't meant to be a performance. It's all about relationship. Let's get to know Jesus and experience fresh faith in real life. Here's John Fugler. Welcome to episode number 21. And coming up, courage and why we really need it today. The solution to stress, fatigue, and burnout. Inspiring God stories from Ukraine. And what we can learn from Elijah. This is Fresh Faith in Real Life, a ministry of Fresh Faith 24-7. I'm John Fugler on the exit ramp of the Performance Christianity Highway. I'm the author of a devotional series called Your Life with God. A husband, father, and grandfather of eight, but most importantly, I want to know Jesus more each day. Paul said this in Philippians 3.8, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I'm also the CEO of Fresh Faith 24-7, where we lead you on a path to freedom in your walk with Christ. I sincerely believe that knowing Christ is the secret to life. Life with a capital L. Yeah, I firmly believe that. So whatever you're dealing with, whether it's stress or fatigue, worry, loneliness, maybe a bit of hopelessness or discouragement, lack of purpose, failure, how about digital addiction or, or even burnout, lean into Jesus. Get to know him more deeply. Know him. Know him. He's there for you. My mission in life, by the way, is to help a million believers know the Christ of the cross. And that's why I spend time each week writing my fresh bread for fresh faith devotionals. I love doing that. I'm inspired. It gives me energy. It gives me life. And I send them out, as you might know, three times a week, pointing readers like you to Jesus as they start the day. Uh, you'll get them in your inbox early in the morning. If you haven't gotten yours already, please sign up. And when you get your Devo, this fresh bread for fresh faith, you just take 60 seconds. Read through it as a springboard to start your day centered on Christ. No, it's not a replacement for your quiet time, but it is a way to center on Christ and deal with those things that are robbing you of L-I-F-E with a capital L. So sign up for Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith. Would you do that? Just go to freshfaith247.com and click Fresh Bread in the menu, or I'll have a link in my show notes, and you can get it there. I get excited just talking about this. And as I said, I enjoy doing it. It's lots of fun. It's inspiring. It helps my walk with God because I'm kind of ministering to myself in these as well. Well, there's no doubt about it that our world seems dominated by fear. Wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, the war in Ukraine has us on edge wondering where this thing is leading. Is it going to expand beyond that? Uh, we see the destruction of entire cities and the devastation and death of human lives. 
and our hearts go out to those people on the other side of the world. We thought that when this year began, we might put fear behind us. You know, COVID was on a downturn. Life seemed to be coming back to kind of normal. It was on the way. But other things crept in to test us, like should we fear getting the vaccine or should we fear not getting the vaccine? A lot of talk about that, right? And uh, it just fear comes out of that. Uh, gas prices have skyrocketed. And so that the fear meter went way up. Uh, inflation is soaring. Mortgage rates are going up. Uh, the supply line is messed up. We all know that. We just can't get things. And boy, I'm full of good news, aren't I, on this show? Uh, we're, we're going somewhere with this. The world scene, it's just getting more and more tense, isn't it? Not just the war here now, but the crackdown by other major powers on religious freedom, uh, blocking the internet in some countries, uh, this cybercrime thing that's going on from one country to the next. They're fighting war on online. Um, the news shows and news channels, they just they just don't help us with this, do they? <laughs> they feed on fear. Did you know that? So they bring the most graphic images and scenarios to our living room and our devices. It's all right there. So this month, the timing is right at Fresh Faith 24-7 for the theme of courage, of courage. And I thought that our first show of this month we would just focus on that, on courage. And our guest on this week's show is an example of courage and how her courage transformed her relationship with God. We're going to get to that interview very shortly. Right before the pandemic, I wrote a devotional called Your Life with God, 30 Days of Courage. And little did I know that it would be so timely. Life was going smoothly well for most of us, but I've been able to share some of those messages over, over the last two years, and I'll share a few thoughts in our Fresh Bread segment. At Fresh Faith 24-7, uh, we have a live devotional twice a week, and we're studying courage in each of our sessions this month. It's our, it's our theme, and if you want to see about becoming a member, simply go to freshfaith247.com, and you can try it free for 30 days and see what it's all about. I've been so moved by the stories I've heard firsthand of courageous Ukrainians. I've heard the, the stories in the last several weeks. And just hearing those convinces me that not all the news is bad. There is some good stuff coming out of this. God is doing a work. And with the ministry I work with, Transworld Radio, I've been working with Ukrainian refugees, uh, those still in the country too, and those who have been out of Ukraine for a few years. So all those people, what we're doing is developing trauma and healing radio and audio content, presenting the hope in Christ. So I've been looking for Ukrainian translators, Ukrainian voices, and I got to tell you, it's been amazing hearing from refugees, hearing from those still in the country, hearing from those that are in other countries and have been out for a while. Uh, you can see, by the way, what TWR is doing at twr.org. That's twr.org. Some great stories there. They'll encourage you. When I think of courageous Christians, I think of a couple of our 
TWR Ukrainian program producers who haven't missed a beat in producing at least a half hour of new programs each day. Do they have studios over there? Well, kind of. Uh, these studios, they move around every day, depending on safety and where the war is being fought. It could be a basement, a bedroom, any other room where they can set up their computer and microphones. And these timely Christian programs are then sent out of the country and then broadcast back into Ukraine the next day or the next few days. And one time, the program got to our transmitter site nine minutes before it was to be broadcast. Nine minutes. That's, that's pretty high pressure for those who get the shows on the air. Now, put this all in perspective as I share this with you. These radio producers are also digging trenches and serving their country in other ways to protect the people in their cities. They're, cons they're conscripted to the military, and so they're doing that work. And I don't know how they're able to continue to do these programs, but they do. Uh, they are courageous, courageous. But here's what one of them said. He said, I'm not afraid of death. I know that life does not end with death. My life is secure in Jesus, but as long as I'm digging trenches and carrying logs, I can tell the men I work with here about Jesus. I can tell the non-Christians how they can still pray to God even at the last moment when the bombs are going off so they can call out to God who saves. <laughs> Do you get chills when you hear that? I mean, on a personal note, closer to what I'm dealing with in this situation, a person inside Ukraine is helping us do translation of the trauma and healing radio scripts. And we've been communicating by email with her. She's a believer. She was a worship leader at a church in Kiev until she was forced to flee. These scripts, they're written in English, and she's translating them into Ukrainian. She was getting out of the country, but her car broke down. And she was waiting, at, waiting for it to be fixed. Uh, and she said that, you know, I can only translate two pages a day from my car. And wow, <laughs> I heard that. Only two pages a day from my car. She kept going. She kept doing the work. And I'm, I'm just floored by that. Thankfully, she made it out of the country. Uh, courageous and sacrificial service to the Lord. Well, for most of us, we won't be in a war like this, and our courage won't look anything like theirs, but it doesn't minimize the things we face that we have on our plate that have us on edge. We do have serious, courageous choices in our life. We have battles of our own, whether it's watching a loved one suffer like our guests did last week, or maybe we're battling an illness or constant financial stress or suffering through a terrible marriage, so many things. We need courage to show up. Well, we need Jesus to show up, don't we? And he does, he does. Last week, Jim and Jeannie K. Van Houten shared how Jesus was there for them when they lost their son, Jeff. And before we get into our next segment, I wanted to encourage you with their words. But you accept the fact that we had a blessing in that boy for 37 years and they were good quality years for the most part and we really focused as a family on the good and 
um, getting together more as a family because we realize we don't know what's going to happen. And we don't want to miss out on our chances to be with our family and be together. So even out of tragedy, good things came of it. One of the good things, John, was that um, we decided to establish a scholarship in Jeff's name. You can go back and listen to that entire moving episode. We're sticking with our topic of courage in this week's Fresh Bread. A boxer calls it getting up off the mat. In basketball, it's rebounding from a tough loss. In baseball, a struggling hitter climbs out of a slump. Even for the pros, defeat has a way of sapping their courage because they are human. And just like them, we cower instead of conquer. We shake instead of shine. I know it all too well. We had sold our home and were excitedly packing to move halfway across the country. This was several years ago. We were so pumped up about serving God in a new season of ministry. Then we got a call from our real estate agent. The sale had fallen through. Looking to the Bible, we read courageous stories of comeback kids, and I needed a comeback. (laughs) Oh, I I always need these stories to inspire courage in me, especially back then when I experienced defeat, like that real estate setback. The great prophet Elijah, called and empowered by God to be his voice, had his bout with defeat. In one famous instance, He had just destroyed the prophets of Baal by calling down fire from heaven. Victory! Then the king's wife, Jezebel, was so angry, she vowed to swiftly crush Elijah and gave him a 24-hour warning of his impending death. Well, this sent Elijah rocking and reeling. This courageous guy wasn't courageous after all. (laughs) He couldn't take it, and he ran like a scared rabbit. Escaping into the wilderness, this once powerful prophet was devastated. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. He said that in 1 Kings 19.4. Have you ever felt so defeated you just wanted to quit? Wanted to leave your job? Abandon your family? Even end your life? Have courage. God's walking with you. When I felt alone and defeated, God wasn't on vacation. He hung in there with my wife and me, taking each step alongside us. I may not have thought so at the time, but I see it clearly now. In his lowest moment, God ministered to Elijah physically and spiritually, and he propped him back up. It's described in one of the most intriguing passages of the Bible. If you want to look at it, it's in 2 Kings 19, verses 11 and 12. A great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And here's where God showed up in verse 12. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. I'm so moved by God's tenderness to Elijah at a time when he needed it most. What a magnificent show of love. God went on to encourage and strengthen his servant. Then he sent Elijah back to complete his mission. God is near to you in your defeats, ready to restore your courage to keep going. Come to him. Empty yourself to him. Tell him your fears and and listen. 
Our guest this week is an example of courage. I always thought she was courageous. Uh, She's a leader in her community, in her profession. She's recognized nationally as someone who makes things happen. And she took a small organization. She's built it into a thriving, life-changing ministry. Now, she'll be the first one to tell you that it was God who did all this. Uh, She's a humble person. But while she was courageous on the outside, there was something missing in her relationship with God, and she didn't figure it out until a couple years ago. Then she went on the most courageous journey she's ever taken, and you'll hear all about it in my interview with her. Sandy Brown has been in the same field I've been in for many years, Christian radio, and that's how we've gotten to know each other. But we really hadn't crossed paths for a few years until this interview. So are you ready? Let's hear Sandy's courageous story of vulnerability before God. Sandy, thank you for joining us on Fresh Faith in Real Life. Thanks, John. Always good to catch up with you. And uh, so radio is something you've always wanted to get into. Is that true? From high school. I don't know if it was just because uh, my teachers said I talked too much and I thought that would be something that would come very naturally. But definitely since high school, then that's what I studied in college and started working at the local Christian radio station while in college and and have worked in it in St. Louis um, for, as you said, way too many years. I won't do the math, but over 30. And I absolutely love it. It's a great way to communicate and connect with people. Oh, you got a great ministry going there with the uh... Uh, Joy FM, as, as well as Boost, two Christian music stations that are just having a huge impact in St. Louis. And I got to tell you, probably you're on, on the morning show at 5 to 9 a.m. So probably the most joyful part of your job is getting up at four or three, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I love everything about my job except 4 a.m. when the alarm goes off and then trying to go to bed before the rest of the world. I don't like those things. So, yeah, getting up and, and going to bed early enough is is a challenge. But, man, I love being a part of waking people up every day, like being some of the first forms of encouragement someone gets. That's good stuff. And here we are at the end of the day recording this. So please don't fall asleep in the middle of this interview. OK, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> and but you do have a family, so it's not just you and you've had to you'd had to meander through this radio thing with your family. Tell us about your family. My husband and I have been married um, 34 years. I was literally the girl next door and introduced myself to him when we were in high school. And we married right after I got out of college. And we have three kids. Um, Our oldest is married and has two uh, redheaded grandsons. I have two redheaded grandsons. And then we have a middle son and then a a younger son, our youngest, we adopted from Guatemala and he's studying to be a pastor now. So yeah, our kids are are grown. We're official empty nesters. And let me tell you, I I always feel like the worst parent ever, but this is not too bad. I mean, you know, (laughs) less laundry, less grocery bills, like, come on now, it's pretty good stuff. And, you know, I I think you're, you're right. We are empty nesters as well. And I just don't know how we ever had a quiet time with the Lord when we had kids running around and us running around chasing them. Since my kids were born, every one of them, I would say, Ooh, this is the best season. And then they would get a little bit older. This is the best season. So I have loved every aspect of it. 
And I'm here to tell you, this is a pretty good season too. So it's, it's all good. God meets us where we are and allows us to do what he, you know, calls us to do. And parenting is tough. And then being able to just be friends with your kids and see them as spouses and and parents is a really rich season too. Mm. Well, I, I know that you saw God do something very powerful with your station. And I was, I wouldn't say I was walking with you, but I was looking at a distance to see the great things that God did to take your station, Joy FM, from something like uh, really small to something amazingly large. And that's not the big story behind it, but there's, it was a powerful story of the way you saw God work. Could you just share about that? Well, I think we've, we're all familiar with what it's like to be doing what you feel like God's called you to do, but also realize that you have this desire to reach more people. And that was where our ministry was. We were reaching about 80,000 people in radio in St. Louis um, and knew that much of our city couldn't hear us because we were on such a limited signal. And we just prayed faithfully about that as a board and ministry. And we really felt like the Lord at one time said, are you ready? And we're like, for what? And uh, we didn't feel like he said for what, but he just wanted to know, were we ready? And so we started to be just um, expectant for him to do something. And we found out that there was a radio station for sale for $30 million, <laughs> which would cover the whole area. And we're like, we're not ready for that. We, we, you know, we don't, we don't have reserves or anything. And long story short, um, we put an offer on the table that we felt God led us to of $18 million where they finance it for us because we couldn't go to a bank, no interest, no payments for two years. I mean, the terms were crazy, but we felt like in time, if we were able to get enough listeners that in maybe 30 years, we could pay off this you know, $18 million figure. And, and the owners of the station said, no, that it was $30 million. And so we waited for months um, and felt like it was a closed door. Then when our phone rang and it was the owners of the station saying, why did you offer us $18 million? And we said, well, the Lord led us to that amount. And that was what we presented to you. And they said, well, we've just completed an appraisal and it came back at $18 million dollars. And we don't think that's a coincidence. So we will accept your offer as presented, no negotiations. And they financed the deal for us. We went to our, our very small listenership of, of listeners at that time and said, do you want to do this? And in, um, we got on the station and in three months, our listenership went from 80,000 to almost 400,000 and um, has continued to grow. And that um, $18 million was paid off in 10 years. And that happened just a couple of years ago. And so, yeah, it was, you know, the money aspect of it is, is crazy, but so is then just the opportunity to reach so many more people in our city. And that's the richest part, many of whom don't go to church, ask questions about who is God and, and uh, how does life make sense and things. So we were reaching a very small portion of our city before and are now just committed to reaching as many as we can. And it's, um, it's, it's been a rich, rich journey. Listener, when I say Sandy has courageous faith, that's what I mean. That whole story, it's like, oh, it's not 30 million. It's only 18 million. <laughs> Big deal. Let's just go for it. And that is really courageous faith where you're saying, you know, we may succeed, we may not, but I'm going to walk into this by faith and the Lord blessed in a, a tremendous way. Uh, and just to see that happen was amazing when you kept coming back with reports and we talked every year or so, and it was phenomenal, really was. 
Well, it, it's easier to tell on this side of it than it was to walk through on that side of it. I'm not going to lie. The, the scariest moment was when they said, we'll accept your offer, because then it was, oh, man, I hope we heard from the <laughs> Lord, right? And I, I hope this works out. And so I don't want to say it was easy. It was, it was, you know, anything that the Lord requires us to do it requires faith. And um, it was that. And we, we have a board that's not fearful, but it's faithful and courageous. And um, so, yes, it's, it sounds, it's one of those really cool stories to tell now in the middle of it. It was really, really scary, but God was faithful. Did you see yourself as a person with courageous faith? Would you no. describe yourself that way? No, it, uh, it doesn't feel that way to me because I know what it feels like on the inside. So, you know, I, looking back on it now, okay, I, I can see why you would describe it that way. But in the moment, it was incredibly scary. I felt like there was so much to lose um, from credibility to resources and people's livelihood and, and everything. So no, I, I, I it didn't feel courageous. It, it felt like an act of obedience that the Lord was saying, hey, I want you to walk through this. And so we did it. Um, but the courage part, no, because it was, it was, I, I experienced a lot of fear and anxiety through that season for sure. Well, I think most of our listeners can relate to that. So you I think you like you gave the right answer for most people because they're saying, oh, okay, I don't feel courageous, but I'm going to step out and walk by faith and, and God will give me the courage, even though I'm trembling. <laughs> and that's the reality of life. Uh, with all the time you spent in ministry and all the things you've seen God do, I, I know at Joy FM and Boost, your other station, you've seen the Lord radically change people's lives, masses of people. Uh, you see it every day. People are are calling the station. You talk with them on the air. They're writing to you. They see you at concerts, and so you saw God move in a great way. And he was and he's using you, but you something just wasn't right in your relationship with Him. And you end up writing a book, Healing Out Loud: How to Embrace God's Love When You Don't Like Yourself. And in the book, you say that, well, I'm putting it my words, something just wasn't right in your relationship with God, but you describe what, what was wrong. I could, I could see what everyone else saw when they looked at my life, this successful radio ministry and, and God working. I saw, and all of that was truthful. And I knew God loved me. I knew that was truthful as well. And yet there was some internal disdain for myself that I couldn't explain and that I couldn't understand. Why was I not able to feel um, loved and accomplished and fulfilled and content and, and all of that. There was this restlessness with, I knew God loved me, but I did not like myself. And it was a, it was a, a very, very strong dislike for myself. I felt like I was, um, there was just something broken or wrong with me inside. And that if anybody knew, I think that's part of the reason why I tried really, really hard to, to please God and to be working for his kingdom, because I was trying to overcompensate for this void inside of me that I couldn't understand because I knew I had received him as savior and I knew he loved me. And yet I also had this conviction that I was not lovable and I knew God loved me. I didn't like myself. And so um, at age 52, I just, I reached out to a counselor and I said, something's not right. I don't understand why I feel this way. I pray. It doesn't go away. I ask God to heal me. I still feel this void. And I feel like I should know how to get past it, but I, I don't know how. Will you help me figure it out? And I think, honestly, what I discovered was not only a path to healing for myself, John, but there, there are a lot of believers who are just afraid to say, 
I'm wrestling with this. And is it okay to say as a believer that I'm still wrestling with some, you know, I, I know one thing, but then feel another thing. And there's an incongruency there. Can I say that out loud? And I was ashamed to say it out loud. So the first person I said it to was a counselor. And then that began saying a lot of other things out loud that I hadn't shared for, for the first time ever with um, my past and things. And it was, it was um, a journey that I'm so thankful I took that has led me to, to real healing, to understand where those feelings came from, how to usher them out of my life in a way that is, that is healthy and God honoring. So here you were um, representing the Lord and sharing his love with other people. And, and you really were uh, joyful. Um, but at the same time, there, it was almost like a misconnection with God, huh? Exactly. I, I knew what I knew salvation and that was real in my life. I, he was my savior. He, he was my Lord and for had forgiven me of sin. Like I, I had embraced all of that, but there was a barrier to me embracing my identity in him, the freedom that he offered to me. And I knew there was a barrier. I just didn't know what it was and what it was, was shame from the past. You know, I had, I had some um, abuse and, and abandonment in my past. And I knew that was all there, but never dwelt on it, never thought about it because I was too busy doing kingdom work, you know. But what I realized is that there are messages, even if we don't dwell on a memory, there are messages from that incident that have attached themselves to our way of thinking. And they were still very much uh, impacting my life as an adult. And I wasn't able to be emotionally present because I was still tethered to some shameful lies from my past. Like, yes, Andy, you're, you're pretty broken. Or um, there were things that happened to you that were all your fault. And if anybody knew, they wouldn't like you. And you're not pretty. And, and just things like that, that on the surface seem not that... Um, potent or that powerful, but when they are the undergirding of your, the way you think about yourself and how even God thinks about you, I I knew he loved me, but I didn't think he liked me either. Um, It's really, it's unhealthy and it it doesn't allow you to be emotionally present with the Lord or with other people in other relationships. So I knew him as a distance and it was a real life-saving relationship with God, but I there were just barriers for me to fully embracing the truth of who he really is and his love for me in a way that really affected my emotions as well. Well, in reading your book and you were then confronted with those things that were in the background, but came to the foreground and you weren't ready for what came that way. When those things really hit you in the face and the reality of, of that pain, for instance, uh, you talk about the day that, that day that you're, your dad left and tell us more about that. Right. So in my mind, the memory was my dad left our family and all, a lot of us have dealt with divorce in one way or the other. But what I didn't realize was there was the memory of him leaving the fact of him leaving our family, my parents getting divorced, but the message that it attached to my heart was that I was unwanted. He, he, he wanted to take my brother. He didn't want to take me. Therefore, I'm the unwanted one. And that was just this undercurrent, John, that had just permeated every relationship. I'm the unwanted one. God loves me, but he doesn't really want me. My husband loves me, but does he really want me? And just every relationship, that undercurrent. And I had done that with then um, just some very difficult situations in my past. I thought I had moved past the memory, and I guess maybe I had, but the messages, the shameful messages, the ones that aren't true, that the enemy, the father of lies, continues to whisper, I was very much attached to my 
life today and every relationship I had and, and including the one that I have with myself, how I thought of myself and what I said to myself just in, inside. So, How did you deal with that? Well, I realized that um, I could do nothing about it and nothing would change, or I could allow the Holy Spirit to begin to heal even these messages, right? And paint a picture for me of what's truth and what's not true and process and go, okay, maybe I really haven't dealt with all the pain of rejection from my dad. Maybe I haven't really dealt with the pain of abuse. And, uh, and once I did and put it on the table and really processed through it and saw pain, saw loss, saw forgiveness and anger and all of the grief and everything and, and kind of dealt with that. You know, God's word says that the truth sets us free. And I just began to look at things truthfully. Um, yes, there was pain there. Yes, it was unresolved forgiveness, all kinds of things. And once I began to piece by piece, look at things truthfully, be truthful about how I was feeling, um, everything just kind of calmed down, right? Like the, the shameful messages that had been messing with my mind and heart for so many years just began to really go into the, the, the background and not the forefront of my mind. And I'm able to see, I'm able to be gracious to myself and compassionate to myself and other people. I'm able to offer forgiveness to people who hurt me and not hold on to that because I was just trying to ignore the fact that it ever really happened. And so I feel like I'm much more emotionally present, emotionally honest, able to have conversations with people, let them get to know me um, there were things that my husband didn't even know that I shared. I was just afraid and fearful. And I don't think the Lord wants us to live afraid and hiding from the truth. And so really it just um, got dealt with, processed and, and um, became very vulnerable with people that I trust. And it has been such a gift hmm. you know, to my life. It really has been. I noticed that uh, as I was reading the book, that journaling was a big part of this process. Uh, and also the time with your counselor, Michelle, to be able to speak to her that you probably felt safe in that environment. Would you say those are two big elements for the healing process? I do. And they both have something in common, and that is getting whatever's inside out, right? So whatever you're feeling or thinking without judging it and keeping it inside, I think we as believers sometimes don't want to be honest because we feel like we'll be judged for it. If you're feeling afraid or shameful or angry, write it down talk to somebody. And there's just something powerful because then it's out and on the table and you can look at it honestly. So whether you're journaling, whether you're talking with a trusted friend, getting some things out, because what I've noticed, John, is that when you um, share and are vulnerable with somebody and, and you give, right, I'm giving my truth to you, you then open yourself up and they give you a gift back of acceptance. They give you a gift back of truth. Sometimes it's challenging, like, Sandy, you know that that's not true, you know? And so um, I was really preventing myself from receiving some real valuable gifts, which was the gift of acceptance and being fully seen and fully known and loved. And I didn't realize that, that I've got to give something for that to happen so that I can receive. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk to somebody honestly and you share, whether it's in writing or in the written form, it feels like you're really giving something of yourself up, but you're also then going to get something back that's very vulnerable, which you really want. And that is to be fully known and fully loved. What did it do to your relationship with God as you laid all this out, the uh, many prayers? I, I noticed in your journal, there were times you just prayed to God. Sometimes you just shouted at God in writing. Uh, what, how did it change your relationship with him? Man, I, I began to see him more truthfully. Uh, he, he revealed to me that he doesn't just 
tolerate me. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't just, his love for me isn't just a salvation one. Like I'm the one in, in a messy need and he solved and paid that price and we're good now. We have like this transactional relationship. He really showed me that he treasures me, not because I'm good or, or deserve it or have earned it, but that's just because who he is and how he cre- and who he created me to be his child. I knew all of that intellectually, like, yes, we can call him Abba Father. And I, I knew that intellectually, but now my emotions and, and um, it, it's all intact, right? I'm emotionally present with the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid of him. I'm not afraid he's going to reject me. Um, I understand that he loves me and, um, and I can not only know that intellectually, but feel that emotionally and and not be shameful about that. So it's, it's, I feel like my relationship with him is more 360 and fuller and more honest. How did you handle the shame? Cause I know that's a big part of what you talk about in your book is the, the whole shame aspect of it. How did you work through that? Well, first I had to admit that I was dealing with it and I didn't want to. Um, but I had to recognize that all of this undercurrent of negative talk that I was telling myself was really connected to shame, that I was ashamed that I felt unwanted. I was ashamed that there had been abuse. I, I, and um, shame keeps us hidden in the dark. It keeps us not wanting to tell people how we're really feeling. It keeps us as a barrier from receiving God's full-on love and acceptance. And so, yeah, it was, it was not very nice as a ministry leader and as someone who had a relationship with Jesus for over 30 years to admit that I wrestled with shame. I honestly didn't know I did until it was pointed out to me. And then I was like, man, I, I want to get free of all of that. I really, I really do. I, I want to get free of the condemnation that shame brings, the keeping secrets that shame fosters. And I just want to be free before the Lord and honest with, with everybody. And that takes some time to kind of rewrite your, your default modes, right? Cause your default modes that have been in place for 30 years that say you can't be honest with somebody or just the negative chatter that you have with yourself. It takes some time to start challenging that is that that's not the truth. Hmm. And that is shame. And I'm rejecting what shame's telling me today. And I'm going to put my stake in the ground of what Jesus says. When these thoughts creep back into your mind, because it wasn't a, thing where you, well, I've got this done and let's move on. But Satan has a way of uh, bringing thoughts back to mind. How do you go back to the truth? What is your practice in order to stay healthy, to stay healed? Well, I have to recognize there are triggers, right? So that there are things that sometimes can trigger me into starting to just feel really discouraged or down on my, myself. And what I, what I try to do in the moment is just lean towards the truth, <laughs> you know, lean towards God. Would you right now, Holy spirit reveal to me what the truth is. This, this is, I'm feeling kind of gross right now with this shame or this condemnation would, I, I just want to hear you Holy spirit. And so it's pausing, it's taking a breath. It's recognizing, okay, I have a decision to make here. I have a choice. Which way am I going to lean? And then um, taking whatever the thought is and putting against the backdrop of scripture and say, does this sound like the character of God? Does this sound like the truth of scripture? And if not, then I have to have a choice to say, I'm going to let that go, you know? And um, so those are some of the things that that I do. Welcome in truth speakers. Again, I have people that I've just committed to be completely honest with my husband, a couple of my best friends and say, I'm struggling. Will you you speak some truth? Because sometimes I don't know. I just need to hear it from another source too. And so those are some of the things that help me. Do you have uh, 
passages or your go-to passages for this and verses? Yeah. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus, you know, is, is one. I'm a work in progress. And just the reminder that, um, and we, we talk about this in the book that, uh, I really want the one and done fix, right? I, I want the, <laughs> I want the, I want to be free, uh, of shame and free of guilt and all of that in an instant, but we're, we're in a broken world. We still have a sinful nature and, God does good work over time. He did it in creation. He did it at the resurrection. He did it 40 days here and 40 days there. And, and um, yeah, I, I, some, I prefer the microwave version, but God does good work over time. And I think the challenge for us is to not see that as wasted time. Mm-hmm. That he looked at every day of creation, knowing it was incomplete and said it was good. And that's a good reminder for my heart when I have an imperfect day, which is every day. You know what? This can still be a good day. God is good. He's working on me. I'm incomplete, but maybe we're right where we're supposed to be for today. So you mentioned time. How long was that process when I said, I need to go see a counselor till you talked about uh, you were terminated. It was termination day. And you said it was, you'd never been terminated before, but this was a good day. Yeah. Our counseling season lasted almost a year. And I didn't know when we started how long it would last, Um, but that's how long it took. And again, I I remember a couple of weeks in going, are we almost done yet? Are we, (laughs) you know, Um, and that's where I would just say, again, um, we all want to hurry and get someplace fast, but man, that year long journey, I wouldn't trade for anything. It was such a good investment in my relationship with God and every other relationship in my life. Mm. What response are you hearing back from people? Your book came out in January and uh, I'm sure you're getting uh, some feedback. How is it affecting people's lives? A few ways. One is, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one who felt that way. So I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one. Um, another is your counselor sounds amazing. I want her to be my counselor. Uh, and because the book was written with my former counselor, which is very unique, especially in the Christian publishing space, there's, we've been told that there's no other book like this, where you have, it's a journey from both sides of the couch. So you hear not only about my counseling journey and from her, but it's also very you driven, which it means I want every reader when they go through it. To, to know that this is an invitation for your own healing journey. It's not just a story about mine. So everyone loves Michelle and the practical help, the healing map. Oh my goodness. I didn't realize that yes. there's a way to go from where I'm starting, wherever that might be and have mile markers along the way to getting to um, better. So those are, those, those are the, those are the main things we hear. Yeah. I love that healing map. Um, and if listeners get the book, you can see how that you work from one, uh, point to the next. Each chapter is a spot on that healing map on the journey. The chapters are entitled just to tease our listeners. Warning lights. We know what that is. That's when you finally said something's going on here. I need to see somebody. Uh, what shame? Hiding place. Secret keeper. Memory bag. Lost and found. At a boil. That's a chapter where you got really upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, perception is reality. Um, so those are some of the chapters that, uh, uh, titles, and you really go into depth. And this isn't a book that just is a surface book. I sure uh, am grateful for, and I mean it, the courage you took to be honest, to write this out. This wasn't just your personal journal that you're going to read. This is out there for the whole world to see. And I, I commend you for your courage in, in, in writing the book. 
Well, thank you. And, and I would say, and Michelle, our, my former counselor tells me this all the time, and I would say this to anybody who's listening, and that is, to me, the most courageous step was seeking help. You know, by the time it came for us to write a book, we had a lot of excitement about sharing what God had done. But to me, the, the most courageous part of it felt like just admitting that I needed some help, especially as a believer. You don't ever want to be feel like, you know, you, you've not gotten something right or why, why hasn't God healed me in this area yet and things. So I would just say um, if there's courage in any of it, um, it was in reaching out for help. And I acknowledge that that takes some risk and some courage and, and just would encourage anybody who's contemplating that, that it is a step worth taking. And as you did take that step of courage and, and admitting you needed help, the things that kept you strong, keep going through it. Cause you could have dropped out at, at certain times. There, there were some points in there that I, I read that, wow, it was either I'm going to come back next week or nah, I think I'm done here. The pain is too much. What kept you going? Well, it was a question that Michelle had asked me early on, which was what would it look like for you to fight for yourself today? And I realized that um, this wasn't just going to be a one prayer snap your fingers and, and feel better scenario. But sometimes things worth fighting for are worth fighting for, you know, right. And, um, God was there every step along the way. He was the one who was doing the work. Um, and I really wanted to be better. I really wanted the healing and everything that God had to offer. And so it was just that kind of thing, like, Lord, as long as you keep showing up, I'll keep showing up and let's, let's do this together. And he was so faithful. So one, I wanted to fight for better for myself and for my family and for my relationship with the Lord. And I felt like God was right there battling with and for me. So that's, that was good to, to show up for every week as well. Mm-hmm. How would you say your relationship with God is different than it was, say, three years ago? Yeah, it's more honest. I now not only understand intellectually his love for me, but I have embraced it completely um, emotionally and relationally with him. It's given me a lot more compassion for people who struggle and wrestle and a deeper understanding of the healing power of God because I've seen it evidenced in my own life. So it's just a richer, I feel like it's, um, yeah, it, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's that thing when you, you have heard about somebody and, and you may have a long distance relationship with them. You have a relationship with them. It's valid. But then when, all, when they move next door or they, they come and stay at your house for a period of, you're like, whoa, like, man, and that's just what it is. I just feel it's much, there's not, there aren't any barriers anymore in my mind and heart from allowing me to fully embrace and fully understand the depth of his love and forgiveness for me. Amen to that. That's great. Um, Healing Out Loud, How to Embrace God's Love When You Don't Like Yourself by Sandy Brown and Michelle Koch. Sandy, thanks so much for joining us. I sure appreciate that and uh, bless you as you continue to get the, the word out to people who need to hear it. My thanks to Sandy Brown for not only having the courage to write her book, but to open up with us on this podcast. And boy, she is an open book, isn't she? I have a link to her book in my show notes. If you want to pick it up, I highly recommend it. It's a very good book. She goes into detail about her struggles and victories and how she came to know Christ in a a whole new way. By the way, do you have a book that's changed your relationship with God? Let me know. I might want to interview the author. Uh, Do you know someone who would be a great guest on the show? He or she doesn't need to be a celebrity. They don't have to have written a book. They don't have to have done any of that. That's not 
what it's all about. This show is about getting to know people who are living out an intimate walk with Jesus. We can learn from them, and they may be your best friend. So let me know, okay? You can reach me through a link in the show notes or John at FreshFaith247.com. At FreshFaith247, we're a movement of believers desperate to know Jesus. If you'd like to be one of the million people I help know the Christ of the cross, I invite you to become a member. Try it out for 30 days free and see if it's for you. There's great video content, live devotions twice a week. We've got personal coaching and much, much more. Hey, we're in it together, so check it out. A link in the show notes or freshfaith247.com. I want to leave you with something I said earlier, and it's this. God is near to you in your defeats, ready to restore your courage to keep going. Come to him. Empty yourself to him. Tell him your fears and listen.